Hello, podcasters and fellow listeners. Today, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, the market is currently down at the start of recording this podcast. And I have to say that it was kind of interesting to see how the market swung about 980 points in the Dow, I believe it was, after Jerome Powell had spoken to virtually the stock market about what their intention was for raising interest rates. And we'll actually talk about it in today's podcast. But today, in the, in the order of what we'll be talking about today, we're going to be talking about an automaker called Atlas that's planning to go public soon. Then we're going to be talking about a reformer pitches to Elon Musk about a public benefit structure for Twitter for the future going forward. Then we're going to be talking about trade deficit that is in within the United States, along with a budget deficit that Joe Biden has been touting about recently. And we're going to end today by talking about the Fed's and how they lift rates by a half a point. That being said, like we always talk about before we start this podcast, I'm not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. I cannot give you financial advice. Please talk to your own financial advisor as they understand your financial situation a little bit better than I do. This whole podcast is for entertainment purposes and to give people information about what's happening in the market currently since Wall Street can't cover everything. With that being said, guys, let's get into today's articles. First things first, EV firm Atlas plans U.S. stock market listing amid IPO drought. Atlas Motor Vehicles has become the latest startup in the electric vehicle space to unveil plans for initial public offering as the global push towards electrification accelerates. The Mesa-based company is developing an electric truck that it says can match the towing and payload capacities of a diesel-powered vehicle, and a will be optimal for the use in the agriculture, utility, and construction industries. The company intends to list on the NASDAQ this summer under the ticker ticker symbol AMV and will use the IPO proceeds to scale up operation, it said on Wednesday. Atlas declined to disclose how much it expected to raise through its offering. While there is strong investor interest in the EV sector due to the success of Tesla Inc., And concerns over climate change, Atlas listing plans comes at a time when global markets route has stalled IPO activity in the United States. Jitters over the Ukraine conflict and aggressive policy tightening by the Federal Reserve have in recent months forced several companies such as file sharing with WeTransfer and Bitcoin miner Rhodium, Rhodium Enterprises to shelve their listing plans. Now, that's not fully true. There have been a couple IPOs that have happened this year. But most people have been pretty much ignoring them ever since the war with that Russia has started with Ukraine. That being said, though, this EV company is actually very interesting. If you actually look onto their website currently, you can actually still invest in this company before their IPO. You can invest in their Regulation A offering that they currently have. And some of the products that they're um, talking about on their website is like they plan to make a battery that can charge within 15 minutes. They have like the the bottom part of the structure of the truck that they're making and obviously the electric truck itself. That being said, I'm not a huge fan of electric trucks. I mean, as of right now, I mean, if I had a choice between having to fill up a gas tank or charge up my car for 15 minutes, the gas tank would only take on average two minutes, maybe five, depending on if I have to make the the credit card or debit card transaction, if I have to walk in to make the transaction But at the end of the day, I don't want to spend a lot of time charging up my vehicle. I think that'd be kind of annoying if I was an electric vehicle holder. And obviously the infrastructure, they're still building up currently right now, but I feel like it would just be way too long to have to charge up a vehicle. But we got to talk about Atlas a little bit more. 
Atlas Motor Vehicle, like we've just talked about, is planning to go public. And this article is from the Auto Futures. Okay. <clears throat> What's interesting about what they're talking about on this one, it says the, At the Atlas XB platform, which is one of their products that they have, is based on the 500-mile range electric Atlas XT pickup. And it is a standalone medium to heavy duty electric platform. The XP is the only fully suited EV skateboard solution to convert a traditional interior combustion engine ICE vehicle to an EV. And then obviously they say on this same website that investors may continue to purchase shares of Atlas through the company's Regulation A offering on the website located at investinatlas.com, which contains important information disclosures, including the offering statement. So... If you're interested in investing in a company for electric vehicles in the trucks, this might be a company to look into. Obviously, Tesla has their truck as well, but this might be another company to look into. That is if you're into electric vehicles. I mean, we just spoke yesterday about how uh, the lithium, the metal that they use to get, or the lithium, or the part of the component that they get for the lithium batteries, they're trying to get more of them mined in Bolivia, in Argentina and Chile and potentially Mexico, right? The top three of them from yesterday's was Bolivia, Argentina, and Chile, I believe. I don't remember if they're in that order, but they have like at least 56% or I remember Bolivia had 21 million tons and Argentina had 17, I believe, and Chile had about, I think, nine or 10. Numbers might be a little skewed if I remember correctly. But at the end of the day, this is a trend that's going to continue to happen. And so if you're interested in investing in the EV market, look more into Atlas. I mean, potentially this could be a big game changer, but at the same token, I'm curious to know with you truckers out there, like normal day driving the road trucks, not like an actual trucker that ships things around the country. I'm curious to know what your thoughts on electric uh, vehicles would be. Do you think this is just a trend that's happening now? Or do you think at the end of the day, people are going to still want that big truck with the diesel in it? Let me know in the comments below if you guys ever comment on these podcasts. Next article. Reformer pitches Musk trendy public benefit structure for Twitter. A prominent corporate reformer is pitching a trendy idea to Elon Musk as he takes control of Twitter Inc. Turn the social media platform into a public benefit corporation to work for the benefit of all stakeholders, not just investors. Adopting the legal structure would be one of several ways to ensure that the Twitter serves the public interest, even if Musk eventually sells the company again or loses control, said Rick Alexander, CEO of the Shareholder Commons. Quote, if you want a company to be more responsible, a PBC is an enabler, said Alexandra in an interview. Other ideas his nonprofit advocacy group plans to outline in a letter to Musk and to the top Twitter investors on Wednesday, including setting rules to protect Twitter transparency, and create an independent trust to enforce those procedures. Once Twitter is taken private, Alexander said, all the pressure that you might feel from public shareholders to maintain a healthy online discourse will go away. A representative from Musk did not immediately respond to the request for comment. I believe, though, at the end of the day, that there's not going to be an issue, potentially, with free speech. I mean, I have a personal feeling that... All I mean, we've read articles that Musk is planning to get rid of the CEO and bring in his own CEO for the company for Twitter. It wouldn't surprise me even more if Musk cleans up Twitter even more. And obviously, at least at the beginning, as long as Musk is in charge, you will probably be able to control what's happening on Twitter and there won't be as much 
I guess, chaos and filth that's been on Twitter for the last few years. But it's still it's still a decent idea to think about where you allow it as a public domain so that everyone potentially has access to what's happening. The article goes on to say that public benefit corporations are formally structured, increasingly used by companies when an incorporate to clarify how boards can prioritize the interest of stakeholders while workers and communities as well as traditional equity shareholders. Example include glasses maker uh, Werby Parker Inc. and Via Systems Inc. Some investors may consider rolling over their stake as Musk said he would like to keep as many of them as possible as he takes the company private. And trusting that Twitter is a positive social social force long into the future is more financial a matter to to shareholders than receiving a premium for their shares today, said shareholder comments letter said. It's still an interesting thing to think about. The news for Elon and Twitter is not going to end anytime soon. And we're going to keep talking about it as much as we can because Wall Street has quit talking about it ever since Musk bought out the company. Because I'm still curious to know how this is going to affect the world of social media and news in general. Will the news start becoming more transparent or will they continue to not tell the truth to people? It's going to be interesting to see because Twitter was the town square and now it's being taken over by a man who firmly believes in free speech. At the same token, what is Facebook going to do? Other known as meta platforms now, what are they going to do? What is a social media company like Pinterest going to do? What is Snapchat going to do? Or what is the Washington Times going to do? It kind of changes a lot of things for these companies in the making. And the more we keep an eye on what is happening with Twitter, at least right now, eventually the Twitter news will die. But the more we watch it, the more we can actually think about what is going to happen with Twitter. So we're going to continue keeping an eye on Twitter as much as we can just so that we can get an understanding of what Elon might potentially do. And you might get tired of the news about this over time, and I might as well. But I think currently right now, it's just an interesting thing because the news world might be changing in the future because of this. So it's just something to always keep an eye out for. On to the next article. And this article has me a little bit concerned. Robust imports pushes U.S. trade deficit to record high in March. The U.S. trade deficit surged to a record high in March, confirming that trade weighed on the economy in the first quarter and remained a drag for a while as businesses replenished inventories with imported goods. The Commerce Department said on Wednesday that that the trade deficit accelerated 22.3% to $109.8 billion in March amid a record increase in imports. Economists polled by Reuters had forecast a $107 billion deficit. The article goes on to say that the trade was subtracted from GDP from seven straight quarters. Imports of goods and services jumped 10.3% to $351.5 billion, outpacing a 5.6 rise in exports to $241.7 billion. I don't know if the United States is manufacturing as much. Okay, We talked about this a few days ago on another podcast about how manufacturing is slowing down in the United States. At the same time, Joe Biden had just signed a bill allowing EV makers to manufacture here in the States. And so at the end of the day, what is the United States really exporting currently right now? I mean, if manufacturing is slowing down like we're reading, that means we're not going to be exporting as much to the world. 
Now, will we continue importing? Of course, because we get a lot of our stuff from China and potentially other countries, at least on the technology side of things. Like we get a lot of our Apple iPhones from China. But it's still interesting to see if the United States is going to have this problem. Now, when looking into more information about this, and of course, there was not a whole lot. A lot of articles were repeating themselves at the time. I did find this article, and I do want to talk about this. And it kind of goes into a little bit of the politics of things with deficits. Biden touts $1.5 trillion budget deficit reduction, but he's not telling the whole story. Now, this is important to understand, okay? A lot of politicians will brag to the market about how great they are, how great their policies are in the making. But there's always, always something more down in on what they're trying to say. And most people aren't willing to look into it. And I'm willing to look into this right now. Article says from CNBC, President Joe Biden on Wednesday tried to cast his administration as spending hawks, touting sizable reductions in the federal deficit this fiscal year as a key departure from what he characterized as a rampant spending by his Republican predecessor. While the Treasury Department estimated that this year's budget deficit will decline by $1.5 trillion, the reason for the smaller deficit is a matter of debate. Under former President Donald Trump, the U.S. poured trillions into the economy to lessen the impact of COVID-19 lockdowns as the height of the pandemic and to develop and manufacture vaccines, masks, and other gear needed to protect the healthcare workers and others from the virus. As the pandemic air programs end, the federal government will spend less even as the Biden administration works with Senator Mitt Romney of Utah on legislation providing another $10 billion in COVID relief. The president's more modest budget proposal doesn't include a majority of the cost of Biden's massive Build Back Better agenda, a transportation and technology infrastructure program that Democrats haven't been able to pass. The administration priced the plan at $1.75 trillion, but it phased out some of the programs that would likely be um, permit to reduce the price tag on paper. The Congressional Budget Office estimated it costs at around $4.73 trillion if the programs were permitted. Wow, $4.73 trillion. Sheesh, I wish. I know it's going to sound sarcastic, but I sometimes wish I could spend that much money and, not, and pretty much get away with it. The article goes on to say the plan would have included significant tax increases on high-income households to help pay for the programs. Quote, we're on track to cut the federal deficit by another another $1.5 trillion by the end of the fiscal year. The biggest decline in a single year in American history, Biden said from the White House. The president has recast his economy strategy in recent months to focus on uh, deficit reduction and stricter spending controls as dozens of his fellow Democrats face close midterm elections and will decide the composition of Congress in his final two years of his term. Comments about none, uh, sorry, comments about the more frugal budget plans come as the White House looks for a way to sympathize with and assist voters frustrated by skyrocketing inflation rates not seen since 1980s. Okay, this is what sickens me a lot about money and politics, okay? I'm sorry, President Biden, but you cannot tout right now currently that because the COVID relief bills are coming to an end that you're going to be spending less, Okay. I'm sorry, that's not how it works, okay? Just because a program's ending doesn't mean you're going to be spending less next year, especially with the potential Build Back Better program at the end of the day. So in reality, this is really sad, okay? 
trying to get a moral victory, trying to get the markets to be like, yay, look, the, the deficit's going down. If I'm not mistaken currently right now, we still have a, I believe last I checked, and it scares me to look at it, I believe we're at either at $30 trillion of debt as a country in the United States, or we're higher than that. Maybe a little less. I can't remember. I'd have to look into it again. But we still have a deficit that's insane right now. And the fact that you're saying like, look, I'm increasing the deficit of our budget by, what was it again they said? Uh, 1.5 trillion because programs are ending, okay? You don't get to do that. I'm sorry, you don't, okay? And if the market believes you, then the market believes you. But at the end of the day, you are still trying to pass a bill that is trying to be $1.75 trillion for a Build Back Better program, okay? If you really want to cut the budget and you really want to make this economy do better, then you got to provide more opportunities potentially for the market to do its thing, okay? Just because a program's ending doesn't mean that everything is going to be great going forward, especially when the, I mean, you're also trying, now Mitt Romney's trying to get another 10 billion in COVID relief. Why Romney? Is Utah currently on lockdown again? I don't think so last I checked. So why are we trying to get another 10 billion as well? These are things that drive me insane about politics and money in general at the end of the day. But I mean, Things need to be talked about, and we're going to talk about it here because, like I always say, they're not always going to report this stuff, but we will talk about it because that's just what we do here on this podcast. Now, the last thing we're going to talk about, Fed lifts rates by half point starts balance sheet reduction on June 1st. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday raised its benchmark overnight interest rates by a half a percentage point, the biggest jump in 22 years. And the U.S. Central Bank chief made an appeal to Americans struggling with high inflation to be patient while officials take the hard measures to bring it under control. It is widely expected move the Fed sets to target federal funds rate to a range of 0.75 and 1% in the unanimous decision. And the Fed chair, Jerome, Jerome Powell, said policymakers were ready to approve half a percentage point rate hikes at upcoming policy meetings in June 1st and July. The level of... Um, specifically effectively announcing Fed rake hikes in advance was unusual, but reflected Powell's steering a course between high inflation that requires a strong Fed response and trying to avoid the sort of overkill that might tip the economy into a recession. In my own personal opinion, I think the United States currently is in a recession currently right now, but I'm also not an economy expert. Okay, but that's just my opinion, just from observing. I mean, there are a lot of jobs currently right now, apparently. At least that's what they're reporting. But you just don't know currently. The article goes on later on the state. The Fed has also said it would start next month to reduce the roughly $9 trillion stash of assets accumulated during its efforts to fight the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic as another lever to bring inflation under control. It's unpleasant, Powell said of the impact of households of inflation, which is running about three times the Fed's 2% target. If you are a normal ec economy person, then you probably don't have that much extra to spend. And it's immediately hitting your spending on groceries, on gasoline, on energy, and things like 
that so we understand the pain involved. No, they don't. They're not even quoting the entire thing. In fact, when I ha- when I was t- when I was saying don't have, there's three dots, that much extra, more dots to spend. Okay, what's the full quote? That's what I want to know eventually. But I mean, gas prices, at least in California, are just insane right now. It's it's just ridiculous. The article goes on later to say, stable for stable prices, Powell told reporters that he and his Fed colleagues were determined to restore price stability, even if that meant steps that would lead to lower business investment and household spending and slower economic growth. The implications of inflation getting out of hand, he said, were worse. In the end, everyone is better off with stable prices, Powell said. Oh, these people drive me insane sometimes. I mean, for crying out loud, you, you got to stop printing money. I mean, and then you got to start drying up the money that's currently in the system, at least in my opinion. I mean, the dollar's not backed up by anything currently right now. The dollar is just based off the fact that you are expecting the dollar to have its value and that the person accepting it will accept its value. I mean, to me, that's just insane currently right now. The article somewhere around here had mentioned that uh, people who had mortgages or auto loans might be feeling it eventually. But here it is. Um, But he also made clear that the rate increase the Fed um, already had in mind were not going to be pleasant as they force Americans to pay more for home mortgages and auto loans and possibly dent asset values. Okay. If you have debt on a car right now, or if you have debt on a house, you should probably start listening to someone like Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey will probably help you get out of these situations currently right now, but still at the end of the day, it's pretty much insane. Okay. I mean, inflation is the, is just, terrible absolutely terrible in every way shape and form you print this much money and this is the end result and we obviously haven't learned from history at all about what this does last thing we're going to cover in this article before we end today's podcast has to do with their balance sheet reduction the statement said of the fed's balance sheet which is in the same article by the way which soared to about nine trillion as the central bank tried to shelter the economy from the pandemic would be allowed to decline by $47.5 billion per month in June, July, and August, and by up to $95 billion per month starting in September. Policymakers did not issue fresh, fresh economic projections after this week's meeting, but the data since their last gathering in March have given no definite sense that inflation, wage growth, or a torrid pace of hiring has begun to slow. U.S. markets jumped following the announcement, extending gains after Powell poured cold water on the idea of hiking rates by three quarters of a percentage point. The S&P closed about 3% higher, notching its biggest one-day percentage gain in nearly a year. Yields on government bonds fell sharply in the volatile trading, while the dollar weakened against the basque of the majority of trading partners' uh, currencies. Quote, this, is, this one has been well communicated and well delivered, said Simon Mo. Kuta, chief economicist with the State Street Global Advisor. There is an awareness that there are tightening into a slowing economy and there are risks associated for the magnitude of the move. It has been very uneventful and that is a good thing. Yeah, we'll find out if this really works very, very soon. Okay, Doing some research on Jerome Powell the other day, I discovered that he didn't study economics in college at all. He studied 
politics. Okay, so we are going to find out real soon if if his policies actually work. Now, maybe he has people underneath him that are 100 times smarter, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, he studied politics. And I know what probably some of you are saying, well, Jacob, you just read articles. Yes, I read articles, but I also have somewhat of an idea. Not 100%. I mean, the Federal Reserve is an unknown entity to me, but the more I study it, the more I question it. And I think most people don't even realize that the Federal Reserve exists sometimes. I mean, you can ask people about money questions and they do their best to answer money. But if you ask them about the Federal Reserve, I don't think a lot of people know about the Federal Reserve. There are some people who do, but I think at the end of the day, I think most people don't focus on the Federal Reserve. And of course, we will hear as much as we can on this podcast so that we can fully understand who they are. But at the end of the day, we're going to find out real soon if Jerome Powell is a genius for what his move has done currently or if it's going to affect us in the long run. I mean, they already were raising interest rates a little bit um, before Joe Biden took over office and before the pandemic. So who knows? We'll find out real soon. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens. So. With that being said, guys, thank you for today for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed today's articles that we've discussed here on this podcast. If you've enjoyed the show enough, please follow this podcast as every follow and subscription that we get can help grow this podcast so that we can keep talking about what's happening on Wall Street. Please also share this podcast with your friends and family if you think they'd find this interesting so that they too can learn more about what's happening in the market world. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you. And goodbye.